So we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Marseille View. Today is a, a different kind of podcast since this is Marseille's first loss since the 27th of October 2019, so first podcast since the turn of the decade where uh, we're going to discuss the Marseille lost uh, in Ligue 1. Um, so Marseille played Nantes at home in front of over 60,000 supporters and unfortunately um, was defeated 3-1 against a, I would discuss it, but a, a quite an unimpressive squad of uh, FC Nantes. But regardless, Marseille came out of that game with uh, zero points and saw uh, its main rivals being Rennes and Lille, uh, with Rennes finishing their games just about an hour, an hour ago, um, closing the gap uh, to eight and nine points respectively. Um, so Marseille is finding themselves essentially in the same position that they were in two weeks ago before going into the Lille game. So today we're going to have quite a lot to discuss. We're going to obviously, obviously talk about Marseille's loss against Nantes at home. Uh, we're going to zoom into some of the, the key reasons why why AVB's men were so unsuccessful, uh, especially going forward. Um, mainly going to be talking about uh, AVB's tactics, about Rangier, Sanson, Mandanda, etc, etc. And then we're going to discuss some of the more around the club news. So we'll be talking about um, who do we think will realistically be challenging us for the second spot uh, up until the end of the season. We'll also be looking to more long term. We're going to be discussing some of the summer news, so um, what's going on with AVBs and negotiating his contract, um, and then talking about quite a recurrent theme when we talk about Marseille is about refereeing, um, and then we'll go into more detail later in the podcast as to why why we want to raise this issue. So, without further ado, uh, let's jump into this podcast, uh, I'll just introduce the speakers and we'll debrief the game. So, um, we'll start with our regular, so we've got uh, Ben here with us tonight. How are you doing, Ben? Not too bad. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a while since we've been in this position. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to discuss. And to be fair, the, I'm sure we're going to highlight a few things that we've highlighted despite the, the, the unbeaten run. So, um, yeah. Looking, looking forward. Well, I'm going to say looking forward, but we've got to debrief and move on. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and uh, the second speaker is going to be someone who's uh, hasn't been on the podcast for 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 a bit, um, but we're very happy to welcome him back, and that's uh, our, our own little journalist, Mo. How you doing? <laughs> Hi, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How's the how's the mood uh, since the since uh, yesterday's game? <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit deflating considering obviously Sunday's fantastic result, but like you said, um, we are essentially back where we were 10 days ago um, before last week's games. Um, and had the form book gone its sort of usual way, we probably would have had a defeat last week, um, should have won yesterday. So, in all, um, we're back to square one, but you know, no, no big harm done, I think. Yeah, and I mean. In a way, being able to say that we're in the same spot as two weeks ago is good for us because we're essentially all we're trying to do is we're not looking to to go over PSG. We're just trying to keep the the rivals exactly. away. So the fact yeah. that you can say we spent two weeks and they haven't made any progress on us, it's, it's quite good news, isn't it? Exactly, <laughs> and obviously there's a few weeks left. Oh, obviously still quite a bit, but you know the the more weeks you can go by with like, keeping or maintaining the gap. That's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Phil, you can't, last, last week you were saying that we were, we were aiming for the title. What's changed? Well, you know what? PSG's <laughs> playing against Bordeaux in about 20 minutes. If my plans go correctly, PSG will lose. And then... It's the same. It's the same. 
obviously, obviously, my uh, for the for the optimists of uh, of the Marseille club, um, <laughs> the, uh, the challenge for the title is getting getting a bit difficult already. Uh, but no, there's a lot of football left. I'm, I'm not losing hope, especially when we look about the next. <laughs> um, right, so let's go into the into the debrief of the game. So, like I said, Marseille was hosting FC Nantes. Um, they were also celebrating Marseille's 2,500 uh, league game um, in front of uh, over 60,000 supporters. So, huge, huge event um, at the Velodrome on Saturday afternoon in in a fairly decent weather. Um, playing against 11th place Nantes, um, who, like, like I mentioned earlier, had a, didn't have any star players, any rising talent. They just had a very average league and squad. That being said, they came in fighting and Marseille were completely defenceless. Um, didn't have any reaction really throughout the game against Nantes and quite logically lost 3-1 against Nantes. So before I go into more of the stats and discuss players, I'd like to get your overall opinion on on how the game went. Did, I'll start with you, Mo. Do you feel like me that it was kind of that the inevitable happened that last week's script that ended up being a win is just going to turn as logically turn as a loss? Yesterday? Exactly. Um, well, not so much in, in in the words that you put it, but there was an air of inevitability around it, um, particularly because you know OM started the game pretty much how they started every game since Christmas um, you know very few uh, first half chances um, letting Nantes sort of play their football in the first 15-20 minutes they were you know they were I know you said right at the beginning of the podcast that you were unimpressed by them but for me it was quite the opposite because I, I really hate teams um, as we saw with Angers earlier this year who just come up to the Velodrome and shut up shop from the first whistle to the last they're unimaginative, they're boring, they're stale, and they're very frustrating to play against. Whereas Nantes, you know, on many occasions they had several men, you know, ahead of the ball, um, and then dropped deeper um, when they needed to in the second half. I thought they were a very good value. But on our side, we were, we were still unimaginative. You know, we, the front three looked again quite inept, especially Payet. It was a bit surprising considering that he was, he was in the squad and we did very well without him last last week, um, and. Just you know, with put put together all the ingredients for there for a victory. You know, we're coming up on a very big morale boosting win. The stadium is full. Um, Nantes themselves haven't won um, in in the last four before this, um, and you know we have Payet back essentially. So on paper, we really should have you know got our act together and take the momentum that we had last week and drill it through, but. We we went in, I guess, and this is obviously I I, I don't want to get into the AVB uh, criticism like criticism moments. Right now, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I love I love the man. I love the man. I think he's working absolutely wonders. But you know, the the plan isn't working. If you look at one thing, I actually looked at before the uh, before I came on the podcast this evening is the halftime table um so what what the scores would have been like if you look at the first half and we've only led six times in the first half all season well behind other teams well behind yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know team, yeah. exactly and uh, we've only scored 11 goals in the first half uh this year so if you look at the table we'd be 13th if we're judge, judging by the first half performance we'd be 13th below Amiens, below Rennes, below Bordeaux Strasbourg, etc. Uh, whereas Lille um, have actually been ahead more than half of their games. Um, Nantes as well have, have been relatively decent. Whereas we, for the team that's purportedly second, that's doing well, etc. It just seems quite slow. And again, you know, we were chasing the game as soon as, as soon as, um, you know, and, and well, from the first whistle, really, not even when Nantes took the lead. So I just think it was pretty annoying considering how well we've been recently but i think on the face of it everyone can say that it had been coming you know we haven't looked at sort of changing we haven't looked at bringing in on a plan b we haven't looked at perhaps changing the formation at least at least you know for the home games against weak opposition uh where we can perhaps afford to you know why not bring in Ake from the start why not play 4-4-2 um why not try a couple of other options because 
the stale 4-3-3 is not working. Yeah, and we've asked Ben about, about, about his opinion. I'd like to key on to one thing you said. You, you said, obviously, that it's been a, a long time coming um, yeah. and that we've been producing the same kind of game in the last few months now, but obviously we're winning instead. What do you think changed yesterday? Do you think it was just that our luck ran out or do you think that there was an element of complacency coming out but, of the little game? I, I, I think it's a bit of both. I think, first of all, personally, I thought the play, it went to the player's head because... Last week was such a big moment, beating a direct competitor away from home um, in the second half. And you think, you know, playing a home game that, you know, perhaps this, the same could be done, especially with Payet back. I think there was an air of complacency, which is why, perhaps why we started off so slowly at the beginning. Um, but also the fact is that if we are continuing to do the same, I think it's becoming easier and it will become easier and easier to play against, you know. Nantes were quite industrious. You know, what happens in Montpellier in two weeks? Who Montpellier, Montpellier are a team that put two rows of players behind the ball at all times, you know? We're going to be playing away from home. We're going to be playing a team that don't concede a lot of goals. What's going to happen then? I hardly think that we'll be scoring three or four um, and be relying on a very potent, dynamic front three. There's nothing, been nothing dynamic about our team uh, for weeks, even though there have been bursts of individuality, as we saw yesterday. Again, we're scoring very, very good goals. We're relying on individual brilliance at the moment. Um, and one or two game-changing moments, which is fine. But we'd also like to control the game. We'd like to really assert ourselves to the opponents, especially what you should be doing in the home games. But, you know, Nantes have had a fantastic record against us, um, you know, for, for a while now. And in particular, Benedetto, I thought he was out-muscled and very uncomfortable against Palo in particular. Um, yesterday that he completely nullified any threat that he had so yeah like I said it's just massive disappointment but in the end we can't be sort of too disappointing considering we haven't lost to a direct competitor you know we are back where we started last week um, and at least then you know perhaps we can sort of take the defeat on the chin be a bit humble and then move on um, next week yeah brilliant alright so we've got we've got Mo's kind of general impression of, of yesterday's game and the main theme here is just disappointment and a bit of uh, a, bit, a bit of expecting that, that defeat. Ben, how, how did you feel coming out of that game um, and what, what kind of stuff did you do? Were you worried about after that? Um, well, look, mainly the, the, the points we've been making in the last few weeks, the, the, the wins and, and the lucky it impact substitutions that AVB has been making for months now that, that often pay off, whether it's Hadunic, Strootman or Aki against Lille. It just wasn't, it wasn't going our way yesterday. Um, and, and I think Mo, beyond not doing very well against us, I think it's, I hate to say it, but Christophe Gourcuff has a fantastic record against Marseille, whether it's home or away. I don't think we've beaten him very often in the last five, six years. I mean, he was particularly troublesome when he was at Lorient. Uh, granted, for a period they had they had that, that shit 4G pitch, but and then he went to to Rennes and, and we struggled against them when he, when he was there as well. So he's he seems to have a way of coming to the velodrome and consistently getting points. Um, but yeah, look, I think not. I, I agree with with Mo. I, I think fair play to them. They turned up to play football. They pressed us very high, which is risky at the velodrome, but it paid off. It paid off, and yes, we can. We'll probably discuss the final detail of the goals and, and the way they, they were built up and stuff. Because uh, the first goal for me, there was no foul, but the, the referee saw a foul that, that enabled Nantes to quickly counter attack and switch the play to the other side. Yeah, regardless of the of whether it's a foul or not, the spot of the foul meant that our midfield was completely wiped out because he just took yeah. twenty yards from where the foul was. Like that, I was shocked that the referee can call that back, like as they played it. Yeah, but we're used, we're used to the referees screwing us. But um, we, we screwed ourselves. We screwed ourselves. Beyond yeah. the refereeing, we, we, we were asleep. We, as usual, we were sleepwalking. And I think that the main recurring theme for me is, yes, as Mo's pointed out as well statistically, we don't score many goals in the first half. But this is more and more since the turn of the year, sadly and tragically, now resembling Rudy Garcia's team from, from last year, where... We're absolutely dreadful in the first half, and we we rely on the coach to maybe you know have a go at the players at half time to to 
to wake them up and, and shake them into into, um, into into actually playing football. And we've just seemed to revert to type because there's no creativity. There's a massive gap between the lines. Rangier's clearly off form. We discussed it last week, but it's quite clear now that this isn't just a temporary dip. He, he, some, I don't know if he's not 100% fit or mentally something's going on. And um, I think we, we watched a game with a few of the lads yesterday at home from the Iron Nation group. And um, yeah, I think Rafael Albon pointed out that it is the year anniversary of Salah's death. He was pretty close to him. Maybe that's playing on his mind. I don't know, against his old team as well. But we, I think teams have just sussed out the AVB system now. They press Rangier so he's got no time on the ball. And until we can see that the AVB actually pushed, did the same thing he did against Lille and pushed Sosson a bit higher up the pitch to try and try and create a bit of a link-up with Benedetto, we were toothless. There was nothing going on. I mean, I think we had one or two shots on target in the first half, and one of them was the goal. And I can't remember many shots on target in the second half. Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. And and I think I probably feel a combination of, of, both, of, of both of your analysis. And it it does, for me, feel like the inevitable did happen. And, and I saw a lot of tweets saying, you know, we've had a lot of chances at the end of the game. And, you know, what if those went in? If those had gone in, you know, we could have gone something out of the game. But my feeling was... Yeah, but think about how many times we got lucky or how many times we had to rely uh, on, on Payet's moment of brilliance against Toulouse, who was the worst team, who's the worst team in, in, in the top five leagues. This has been a long time coming and, I mean, I don't know how much weight my analysis has because I've been such a so critical of ABB, but it's, I honestly don't what? see where the, 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 the strategy is. It, it just seems like, we just go into games kind of saying, well, let's just stay strong defensively and then, and then hope that a mistake will, will, will lead us to a goal or hope that one of our key players just carry us. And like you said, Ben, teams have sussed that out now. Why would Nantes, away from home, say, well, Marseille's not playing, so, so let's push, you know? No, now teams are going to come in, stay true to their identity and just say, no, doesn't matter how much Marseille are just staying at the back, we're going to stay at the back. And then we're going to play our football, which is counter-attacking football. And now it's working. Um, and unlike the Lille game, yesterday's game showed that AVB had no answer for it. Um, and I, I, I quite frankly think it, it's humiliating for for AVB to, to come into a game at home in front of 60,000 people and just propose, like, to put forward this kind of strategy and this kind of football. You know, it's, it's not... This is not in line with Marseille's identity and Marseille's kind of philosophy of football. Right. It's just, right. for, for me, it's, this is why for me the eight-point gap, even so close to the end of the, of the, of the Ligue 1, is still fragile. We are still, I am not confident that we're going to hold on these eight points. I mean, if it was Lyon, I'd be like, Lyon are too far gone. If it was Monaco, I'd be like, Monaco too far gone. But since it's Marseille in this system, I, I very easily see us losing this team next week because we have no no belief in, in any kind of game philosophy. But isn't it a necessary evil? Because yeah, honestly, maybe. Yeah, I honestly think that you know AVB is he's he's no he's no sort of um, fool, right? Yeah, considering the players that we have at our disposal and. And the squad that we have and the characteristics that we have against other teams. Obviously, no one could have banked in the summer um, of Leon and Monaco being as poor as they are this year. And perhaps if they were probably better, this team would have been fourth or fifth. And we are pr- pretty much, I think, second only because those other teams have been crap. But also, we are where we are because in those head-to-heads, we've come out far on top. We've been Lille home and away. We've taken four points of Ren. We've we've beaten Monaco and Lyon so far in the in the, in the game that we've played against them, um, and and Strasbourg. So if you're looking in the top seven at the moment, we've won all of those games, bar the draw against Ren in October. 
Yeah, and how, the way how that how we've been we set gonna, up, but the way that this, this uh, excuse of, of the lack of, of but, squad, when you, when we've just come out of the Lille game, where playing the shit kind of football that we've been displaying for the past few months, we were down one 0 and then all of a sudden we realised that well, you know what, we're gonna have to play football, and when we actually put a good shift in and a good kind of scheme to go forward, we dominate them and destroy them, and that's how we won last week's game against Lille. I, I, I agree to an extent, even though I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, because perf- preferably, I think, I mean, if ever we ever needed a defeat, it was this one. Just to wake us up a little bit, not to get you know ahead of ourselves. And these players, especially with, with the bonus that they got last week, and I think last week, myself included, we were all a little bit too euphoric, thinking the Champions League was a foregone conclusion. Um, you're right, it still isn't. There's still a lot of football left to be played. But, you know, having this defeat now against a team that's not going to trouble us, that are 15 points behind, whereas we still have an eight-point gap, will be key, especially considering that over the next, what, five games we'll be playing uh, Nîmes, Amiens, Brest, as well as Montpellier and PSG. That's, we should be getting minimum, minimum 10 points from those 15. So I'm not too worried. Um, you mentioned also um, the, the the gap um, to, to Lille and Wren because I think you might be a bit concerned that that might come down. If you look at Lille and Wren, I think there's they're a bit you know I I don't see anything to suggest that they'll go into the Champions League or, or, or usurp Marseille's second place position because we have been at least consistent. You can say we are poor. Fair enough. You can say that we are not, you know, throwing any fireworks, but at least we have been consistent. Our home record and our away record have been fairly strong. Our, especially our away record. We've won more than half of our games on the road. We've only lost twice away from home, one of which was to PSG. Um, and if you look at Lille, up until last week, they've only won once away from home all season. Rennes have been a bit dodgy either way. Monaco have only won three times away from home. Or season Leon's home form is poor, which is what's keeping them back. These teams, if you extrapolate that form over the last 10 games of the season, they're highly, hardly unlikely going to go on a 10-game winning run that will that will you know trouble us. And they, if they're going to take over an eight-point lead, that's what they're going to need. You know, for example, in Leon's case, they're going to have to win all of their well, at least eight of their last 11 games, and hoping that we win three of our last 11. Or twelve games um, for them to to take over our position. Same for Lille. It, it is to yeah. extent. So I'm not. It I'm is ours to throw concerned. away, isn't it? Exactly. I'm not too concerned overall. But you're right. We need to find solutions. My point is that we need to sort of start looking to a plan B, and not rely on, you know, on individual brilliance. And it's if you look at Brest, it was the same. The two-one game against Brest, where we had like thirty shots. Um, and having to rely on the last-minute winner from from Radonjic. you know, it's it's annoying, it's poor, but it reminds me of OM's 2012 season with 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 Eli Bo. When you've got a really poor squad, you know, when you don't have these dynamic, young, fast, you know, attacking players that other teams can perhaps rely on, you just have to look at your, you know, you just have to look at your squad, saying, "Cool, we'll play to our strengths." We've got Payet. Maybe with Tovan it will improve, but I'm I'm just. I, I, you know, for me, it's just about trying to eat as many points as possible. But we also have to look at just changing the system a little bit, just to get new options. You know, bringing Ake from the start, bringing Cowie. You know, we've got we've got another um, attacking midfielder who we rarely see. Um, I'd like to see him. You know, instead of playing with Shaman and Lopez on the right wing, for example, or Saar. This is a guy who's used to having the ball in the final third. Why not test a solution with him? Why not do four four two? You know, we just need a plan B. Think to to AVB's defence, the only thing that and it's refreshing from Gastian. And to be fair, we've been used to this. He's very good communicator in his press conferences. He took the blame on the chin at the end of the game. Say, look, we lost. We played poorly. It was my fault. We didn't set up to win. You know, I set up a system, relied on our defensive stability, but the, the defenders had an off day today. It is what it is. Move on. But it's all well and good saying that. 
because that's what we want to hear and we expect that from from his honesty anyway. But he needs to mix things up. And if he doesn't realise that, then he's just going to... We could go into a spiral of, of what we did when Payet was out suspended and Kamara were out suspended um, in, in October of just drawing games at home or, or losing games that we should be winning, really, on paper. So that is the difficulty here, is what can we change with the players at our disposal? And, and I think if he if he persists with this 4-3-3 that, play, that teams have sussed out, because they're all going to press Rangier high, and Sanson has found a bit form in the last couple of weeks where he's, he's, he's really carrying the ball forward pretty effectively, but he's the only one who was on form yesterday. So... And Kamara, to be fair, but it's um, it's worrying because with the squad, are there alternatives? I think maybe by tweaking the formation, yes, but that's that's all I can see because you can't, with Tovar still out and Hadonich out now for a few weeks, you can't really replace players in that system like for like. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do understand. Now, obviously, I appreciate what you guys are saying um, and I'll probably as, as a closing statement on, on that topic on the tactics of AVB my worry is is that the issues that we're talking about today and the issue and the issues that we've highlighted in the last couple of weeks have been present for months now and they've been quite obvious limiting factors to to, to our success not in terms of points but in terms of of productivity going up front, and now that the, the the run and the magical carpet ride has ended yesterday, what what gives me any kind of assurance that we're going to change anything? And if we're not going to change anything, what assurances do I have that we will like get back up and dust ourselves off, and then go to Nîmes and win, and go to Montpellier and win, and get something out of the PSG game? It's I think when you have a squad that relies so much on confidence and on momentum, that that's a double-edged sword. Because when the momentum, when the sorry, when the momentum is against you, like it could very easily go if we get a bad result against Nîmes, things can spiral down very quickly. Um, it can. And, and yesterday, AVB, he's been. We've, we've said it for weeks. I've said it for weeks. He's been. He's been very lucky with, with substitutions and tweaking the system at key points in, in the last few games. But yesterday, it all went wrong because, as usual, as you say, we set up to be solid defensively, except that Nantes caught us out because they pressed us high, and and our defenders had a bit of a shit show at the back, certainly in the second half, and then also his substitutions were, were, were quite shit for a change because. I didn't understand when when the substitutions happened. I expect fully expected Rongier to come off because he'd been poor, but I also expected Germain to come off for Ake. I, I had no idea as well. What he and was and doing. I, I, when he took off Kamara, it was evident that we were going to get caught on the break because Kamara had been instrumental. He'd, he'd already put in the last few ditch tackles in the first half to to break up counter attacks, and the the minute he went off. Completely lost pace in midfield. Obviously, with Strootman, that's bound to happen. And then we got we got caught out twice in, in the last twenty minutes. So it just it, it was an off day yesterday, but it's been an off day for weeks, and we've just been getting lucky results. And yes, we're very happy about that. But but we got found out yesterday, and, and as you say, uh, is our confidence now going to be rattled, especially with away games? Nîmes is not easy, and, and Montpellier, we, we've been battered there the last few years. We've not gotten, I think we haven't scored at Montpellier for years. It's been three or four years since we scored there. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think we're going to switch gear a little bit and look away from the from the ninth game for, for a little while and look into at least the short term, at least for the next four games until the interna- next international break. Um, there's going to be four league and games. Um, obviously, Marseille are not playing any cups or anything. Most of the teams that are, are kind of competing for the podium are also not playing any any cups anymore. Um, I'm thinking about Lyon, thinking about Rennes, Monaco. Also, Lyon are obviously still in the mix for for all the cups, but I mean they're quite far behind now, so I don't really count them as of yet. For the next four games. Marseille will be playing Nîmes, Amiens, Montpellier, like you said, is a quite a difficult fixture, and obviously the big fixture of the season, which is PSG at home. Before, my, before I ask you how many points you can get away from those games, I'd also like you to look at the, the fixtures that Lille and Rennes are going to have. Um, 
Rennes first right. we are only eight points away from us are playing Toulouse, so that's pretty well, much a guarantee. That's guaranteed three points, um, yeah. But they're also playing Montpellier, Bordeaux away, and Lyon. Um, Lyon, on the, Lyon, on the other hand, are playing Nantes away next week, and we've just experienced how difficult it can, play, can be to play against Nantes. Lyon, Brest away, and Monaco at home. How do you think these next four games shape, will shape well, out, it, and do you think... In terms of your prediction, do you think by the time that we get into this two-week international break, do you think we'll have a, a very comfortable cushion and we'll be able to more confidently say that we're going to finish second? Well, first of all, um, just looking over the next five games on our own sort of path, like I said, it's, it's a minimum 10 points that we need from those five games. A minimum 10 points. So I'm looking at... First of all, maximum points against Nîmes, Amiens, and and Brest, um, and Mont we're going to have to recognise that Montpellier away is probably going to be a tough one, and a draw would be welcome there. Um, and then the PSG game, well, that can go either way. Um, so we'll, we'll leave that. We'll put that to one side. Um, so ten points, I think, is a very attainable target, and I think it's in line with sort of the run of form that we've been putting together over the course um, of the season, especially in the last three months. Um, now, the rivals that you just mentioned is where it gets interesting because Ren picked up their first win in ages today, their first win in four. Um, and they are in a bit of free fall with... It's a bit of sound there. But they are in a bit of free fall... Um, with their ownership, with with their off-the-field issues, and they didn't look convincing either. They relied on a last-minute winner this evening against Nîmes, our next opponents. And then, obviously, when you look at the next game that you mentioned, um, they play Montpellier, which is tough. Um, away to Bordeaux, which is not guaranteed three points. Um, and then, finally, at Lyon, which... Again, it's, it's, it's not easy at all. So I don't see them getting any more points than us in that period. Same for Lille. Um, you know, I, they've got an awful away record. Um, it's either that. It's either that these guys will beat our expectations by getting maximum points or they put Leon more than 20 points behind us. Either one is absolutely welcome for me. But considering their run of form, I don't anticipate them getting anything more than 10 points themselves so i think the cushion will be maintained and i think if we can get if we can get to at least eight points which is where we are now um by the by next month by the international break we are going to be in a very very good place um and obviously with tolvan back i think his return is programmed for the amion game or the montpellier game so about two three weeks from now we can start looking forward to at least some dynamism in attack. Uh, so fingers crossed for that. All right, what about you, Ben? What 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 is your what are you feeling about this next four games? I'll I'll be a bit briefer because I'm, I'm a bit more pessimistic, sadly. <laughs> but um, I, I think the next five games, I think we're going to struggle away from home. In Montpellier, we'll lose. We'll lose to PSG. I I, I can see us getting probably between seven and nine points from the next five games. And I think Lille will probably cut the gap down to six points by the international break. That, that's my prediction, just because we're gonna, we are going to have a dip. But now now is probably the time to have it with our rivals playing tough games as well. And maybe they'll also have dips. So not an easy run of games, um, but we've, we've just come out of a very difficult run of games and, and gotten loads of points. And that's, that's the unpredictability with OM this season is that we, we could actually win in Montpellier against all odds and then, and then lose at home to, um, to Amiens. Who knows? So it's, I think the gap's just going to get much smaller by the, by, by the time we get to the international break. I hear you, I hear you mentioned um, Lille. You were obviously expecting them to, to get at least six points. You didn't mention Ren though. Is that are you kind of like me, and then you're you're kind of going on the the history of Ren and saying they always end up bottling it close when they close yeah they'll the collapse. Sorry, they they will collapse. I think I agree. Um, I I just think Lille on paper have the better team and the better 
philosophy with Galtier to, uh, you know, to, to, to put a run of results together and they've got the bigger squads. And, and they've got a few players that are going to come back from injuries as well. So, yeah, I think Lille is our most serious challenger. If not for second place, I just think they're, they're the, they've got, after this these five games coming up, they've got the easiest run between now and the end of the season out of those three teams. So, I, I think Lille will... will Probably submit will have a um, have a little gap on her end in third place by the time the um the, the break comes along. Brilliant. And um, actually, just before we move on to the next topic that you guys would like to discuss, um, I'd like to ask you if you uh, just one question, just just to kind of that's where you guys are at. Obviously, at the start of the season, if you ask any Marseille fan if if finishing third, um, and obviously that entails Champions League football, but that entails through going through qualifiers. Any Marseille fans would have signed for that. Now, in this position now, if Marseille ends up finishing third, would you consider this season a success? Or would you consider the season a failure, knowing that we're going to have to go into August lane qualifiers and could very easily not qualify for Champions League again? Um, very, very, very difficult, isn't it? I'll, I'll just say a quick piece, man, and then you can, you can yeah, go, go into detail. But the, the, the problem is, because there's those two qualifying rounds, you are certain to draw a team like Napoli or Atalanta or uh, Dortmund or Leipzig in, in the third, third round of qualifying. And that's if you get through the, the two legs of the second round of qualifying. So that's the big difficulty is to add to that the fact that based on the uncertainty that we might not actually get into the Champions League, that means that the board won't invest and we'll just be selling players and scrambling hoping we qualify for the Champions League group stage and then scrambling in the last 15 days of August to make some signings. So it would be a disaster to bottle second place. Um, I I mean, it has to be a failure, first of all, because you can't be second. We've been second since November, or, uh, which has been, I think, our longest run. In that position, we're on the podium um, since we last finished, six years ago on the podium. So... If if we did end up bottling it and at finishing third, I think it'd be it'd be a, a big big failure. But obviously, I, th- I think first of all, it m- you know we might end up not playing the qualifiers because the the Europa League winner, if the Europa League winner qualifies um, in their top sort of three or four, depending on which league they're in. Um, then the, the, the third team in Ligue 1 directly goes to the Champions League, something that Lyon and Lille have relied on in the last couple of years um, and have seen them get a direct ticket to the, to the group. So if we do finish third, and considering the favourites of the Europa League are, are Sevilla and uh, Inter and, um, and the rest, they are obviously well-placed to qualify um, for the Champions League in their league. So, you know, it's not, it might not be the be-all, end-all, but it, it will be very, very bad in that obviously it'll be shameful for us but also it will severely impact our planning because you're gonna have to wait till may to see what the what the logistics will be maybe you know maybe a a random team will end up winning the europa league maybe we will have to go through the qualifiers and even if it is certain you know we need to sell before before then well before then um and it will impact us so it'll be very very silly i think and it will shine will take the shine off massively of what's been a really decent season so far Absolutely, absolutely. And before we before we move on, I'll, I'll just give my my two cents about about what we just talked about about second place, about um, the next round of games. Um, I think I'm, I'm I very much agree with Ben. I believe that that their rent is going to bottle it, and I think they are actually when you look at the past five games, they have been bottling it. It's just that they have, they've had such a a, a point difference from the other teams that they didn't really see that, but. I mean, they've only won two games out of the last five. They lost two, they drew one. And when you look at the teams that I'm most worried with, about, which is Lille, and actually, I'm actually quite worried about Monaco, um, because both of them have won four out of the last five games, and, you know, they're, they're the teams that are going forward and are starting to pick up steam, as we were expecting, you know, coming to the end of the season. You, you don't expect every single team to... to to be bang average, you always expect two or three teams to, to pick it up, and it's usually Marseille, Lyon, and, and either Monaco, Nice, or Lille. So I think the two main teams we need to be worried about in terms of momentum is Lille and Monaco. Not too worried about Monaco because they're they're quite far behind. It, 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 I mean, they're 
coming down. They are 13 points uh, behind, two. so they're yeah. a bit far behind. But I am a bit worried about Lille. Um, like I said, we, we I don't have any reassurances or, or any belief that, or any kind of, yeah, I don't have any reassurances that that, that our current run of form is going to continue. Um, I mean, at least AVB and his men have definitely not, not, not shown me any of that. Um, however, we do have fairly... We have a easy, fairly easy schedule going forward compared to Lille and Monaco. Um, and they have to play some very, very big games. I mean, Lyon, Monaco, these are games that teams like Lyon and Monaco are, are, are living for. They're always throwing against the shit teams, but they, they, they always tend to to wake up and be motivated for these games. So I expect Lille to drop a lot of points there. So... I, I mean, just... I think, I think Luca, you just have to look at... You just have to look at Lille's away record. I think they're fantastic at home, fair enough. But away from him, they're absolutely shocking. So I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester slip up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think about, about the second place debate, I think the third place debate, um, I... I wouldn't consider, I wouldn't consider this season a failure at the end of the season if we finished third, just because we haven't been on the podium for so long, and and just because, you know, it is like Mo said, it is potential direct gateway anyway to the Champions League. That being said, I will have a lot of regrets, and I think I will have a lot of, of. I think it's probably not the right word, but a lot of resentment towards AVB for being so conservative with his play that that's putting such a, putting us in such danger of being caught up by by teams that have proved not exactly worthy of being second either. I mean, when you look at the whole season, Marseille, you, you know, you have the analysts and the journalists that say that Marseille are an ugly second. But what if Monaco or Lille became second? You know, like they haven't shown any more reassuring performance since the Masters have, so I don't know. I'm, exactly. I'm expecting us to finish second, but if we're third, I wouldn't call it a, a failure of the season anyway. It, it, it could be, and that all depends on if we are lucky enough to get direct qualification to the group stage, because if, if we're not, then it is disastrous. The impact, and well, that's the next topic anyway, is planning for next season, so... Go go for it. <laughs> right, cool. Well, perfect segue. Um, well, I wanted to obviously I asked you before the podcast, kind of if you had a news or, or topic that you would like to discuss, and we'll probably start with with um with Mo's point, which is talking about looking into the, the summer. Um, and you had a few a few thoughts about that. Do you wanna do you wanna let us know about them? Just 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 set the context, Mo, isn't it? Because I think it's. AVB said in his press conference that they are planning to have a sit down with it or Zuby Zareta and McCourt probably during the international break to to start planning for next season. That is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So it came in the press conference last, I think, the pre-game press conference on on Thursday, um, where there were sort of um, the first words of AVB for next season, which is to a point reassuring because obviously what happened in January and and you know the, the you know, being traumatized um, over over the January transfer window and his comments around them um but what he also did provide insight to was just the amount of conversations that uh, he needs to have with the Zubo Zaretta with the, with the board etc um and it's not just about finding players for for next season it's also speaking to those who have um you know, a year left on their contracts, of which there are many first teamers such as Mondon de Tauvin, Sherman as well, oh, yeah. amongst amongst others. Money. You know, they are they are there are quite a lot of you know issues that need to be ironed out. Um so you know personally, and this is now going into my opinion, you uh, for me I'm very optimistic of what's happening on the field and I, the reason why I would you know, as as we've just spoken about being being optimistic in, in getting second place in in you know finishing a, a good distance ahead of, of the others is because I'm actually quite worried to an extent of what might happen this season at the end of the season because of uh, financial fair play because of um, the, the the money that would we need to find essentially at the end of the year um, and I'm a bit concerned as to how. Or in or what form um, that our squad will take in in August, especially if we do qualify for the Champions League, I think 
it's, it's a tough jigsaw and I've been sort of trying to rack my head around. You know, I think we need to make somewhere in the, in, in the midst of 50 million or, or something along those lines. Um, I think it's 70. Of, of sales. It's 70. Yeah, well, exactly. But, but it's, no not, it's one... not sales, it's 70 million of income, which if you get second place, you get 32 million for, for Champions League TV rights, which means we need exactly. to sell, sell, either sell one player for 40 million or a couple for 40 million. That's, that's the exactly. context. Um, well, something like that, exactly. And obviously, as, as, just we, as, as we've just spoken about, Champions League is not guaranteed. Even though we do finish uh, third, for example, um, there's there's a lot of moving parts. So, yeah, it's good that we are looking forward um, to the summer. Um, and I hope that in the midst of this, the, the, the scouting team and, the, you know, the... Zubir Zareta and they've, they've done their job because what we need and what Marseille desperately needs and probably we haven't seen since the Deschamps era I think the last time we've done the majority of our business like say by mid-July was was Deschamps' first season when he brought in Lucho Mbia and you know Edouard Cisse and the rest Jawara um, Heinze yeah. exactly where, where they all came in very very early um, and they just got on with it. You know, the team was in place by the first game of the season. I think there was only one addition after that. And you know, they went on to become champions, etc. So, you know, we, we need this. And obviously, you know, the, the, the worst signings have come, you know, late on in the campaign. I mean, you don't, obviously, Mitrogli being the clear example. Um, we know where we're headed. We know what the picture is. Um, assuming that those options are still on the table come the end of the season and we, we can fortunately rely on, on UEFA Champions League TV money. I just hope that we can get those get get that business done. And it's good to see that AVB is like, you know, now's the perfect time where we need to sort of start refining those opportunities. Yeah, I think I think to, to just follow up the, the main reassuring for, thing for me from that message is that AVB sees himself here next year. Which which as you pointed out, based on his comments in January, was 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 not a given because it seemed like there had been a bit of a misunderstanding or falling out. But it seems like he's in his head, he's planning for next season, which is a good sign that he will stay on. But again, it's it, it, this, we, we've just highlighted the two situations that will happen. Either we finish third and we, we may have to go through the qualifying route, which will lead to some very tense and uncomfortable discussions where I could picture AVB saying, well, for fuck's sake, if you want me to get through those qualifying rounds, I need signings and I need you to not, not do a fire sale. And you can see Iroh saying, well, no, that's that's not going to be the case. We can't sign until we're guaranteed to be in the Champions League because we don't have the money. So that's a very, that would have ramifications beyond beyond the actual summer for the for the last third of the season because it could it could just lead to a, a demobilization of AVB staff and players thinking for fuck's sake shit we, we're really under pressure because the, the gap may have closed by then and if it has closed then we we may be in a shit's position in the season where none of us know our contractual situations but on again let's flip it and, and let's be positive let's say we get seconds I would imagine one of the priorities is figuring out out of that list of players that are out of contract next year, who we need to, to give some money to for them to stay on. So that's the first step in, in planning financially is getting Tovin, Mondon, Payet, maybe signed up to a few extensions. Germain can go as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think they will use that opportunity of him and Lopez to offload some salaries, but we'll see. And then after that, we can, if, if second place is, is looking like nine-point gap still or, or eight-point gap still, then then you can start thinking, right, can we, if we do cement second place with three or four, well, I think we'll only need three wins after after the break if we are that 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 far ahead of the, the opposition, then you can start planning, right, We I want this player, this player, this player in these key positions. Let's, let's start talking to them and let's start negotiating. So it, it's... It can have ramifications that are negative, but it could also be positive, provided we maintain this gap. Yeah, I mean, these are all some, some, some good points. I, I think it is going to be a critical off-season, and we're, we're going to have to, to, to organise this for, for once in the Merkel era. We're going to have to organise this and get started very early with our recruitment strategy. 
and our, our selling strategy and, and how we want the, the club to be next season. However, I think this is probably the season where we're the best equipped for that because we have AVB who has such so many demands and, and he is so strict on, on, on wanting to have a clear vision for next season. And like you said, we, we're going to have the international break and, and if I mean all goes well, we're probably going to have our season all but ended at the end of April, which means that we're going to have, I mean, a long, long time to, to, to get sorted and, and, and have meetings with the players and have meetings with Antoni and have meetings with Aero and iron all those things out. However, like, like you said, no matter how much time we've got, we, we're always going to have this deficit issue and even though we're going to play Champions League football, our recruitment power is going to be restricted somewhat, even with Champions League money. And this is where I think we're going to have to, to rely, even with Champions League money, we're going to have to rely on some sort with some, some help from our, our, our youth team. Um, making signing Lee Haji that much more important because he wouldn't impact our, our financial fair play. We could pay him a good amount of money for his salary, but we wouldn't have any transfer fees or anything. So, And he could come in a rotation nearly straight away play some meaningful games like I don't want to look in I don't want to worry too much about next season because right now that I mean we have such a was such an essential objective to get in Champions League but now that we're in such good position it could be time to look to that and I'm I don't know maybe it's because I haven't thought about it too much but I, I'm quite hopeful for next season anyway and also just just Sorry. a quick one, guys. I don't know if you're watching the game. Bordeaux have just scored against PSG and Tego Silva's hobbled off. History. Oh, my God. Thank <laughs> God. Tego Silva's <laughs> just hobbled off. Yeah, he's just hobbled off. It looks like a pretty bad muscular injury. So, watch his face. Tego Silva. Oh. Okay. So, it, it, maybe he'll miss the game against us. But more interestingly, he might miss the return leg against Dortmund, which would be a shame, actually, because he usually shits himself in return legs. But anyway... I think one thing, okay, one thing I just want to sort of bookend uh, on that is, um, you know, I think what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to inject a bit of optimism on here because obviously I think we are a bit please, please, fragile. Please, please do. No, but I think we are we are a little bit fragile and I think obviously we are very, very traumatised of what's gone in the last couple of seasons. But at the end, you know, we are averaging sort of two points a game. Um we are perhaps well, not scoring as much for sure but we are doing very very well i think compared to to the other teams we you know avb has had the best of any own manager in in, in years especially in the last 10 years we are only three points over rudy garcia's 17-18 season and obviously the league that year was absolutely incredible where you know the top four teams are all very very strong um, but then 10 points, 12 points, 17 points over over what OM have done in the years before that, as well as um, the fact that, you know, we, we've, we've achieved lots of objectives. I think, and especially with Tovan still to come, and I think he will be good in the running. Obviously not in March, I think, because he hasn't really kicked the ball in, in six months or so, but in April where, where you know, there'll be a lot of tired legs where where there'll be a lot of sort of niggling fixtures. We've got, you know, Leon uh, away to Brest. We've got Nice, Strasbourg. Uh, you know, that time, that will be a very, very big help, especially the fact that Bayek might be able to be deployed in the false nine, as we saw um, in, in, in the summer. Um, you know, having Tovan on the, and Radonjic either side of him would be actually quite interesting and just give Benedetto a breather. I think that would be quite nice. But we we are doing well. I think, you know, as you see, you know, the records that Canal Plus have put out, that it's been the biggest gap between second and third. And OM have had more points at this stage of the season than, you know, than um, in any points, you know, in, in in the last couple, in the last 10, 15 years, etc. Obviously, notwithstanding this game. So I think the picture looks good. It's going to take a collapse of very surprising proportions. You know, the collapse that we last saw probably in... 1516, um, or, or you know, January 2019, when we lost to Andrizio and and losing the league left, right, and centre. It's going to take sort of that sort of major collapse for us not to qualify for the Champions League. So I still remain optimistic, and I think we can start. We can start the planning. I, I I assume we just need to remain serious. We need to remain secure because 
even the good aspects that we have, such as Mondonda and Alvaro, who were incredible over the last couple of months, were really shit last night, you know? Um, Mondanda did not make any major saves and, and Alvaro ended up scoring an end goal. Um, so it comes at the perfect time, like we said, because of the fact that you know, these rivals also all have big games. So I think, you know, I hope, fingers crossed, that normal service resumes from Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I think for time's sake, um, we'll just move on to the to, to the closing topic of the day. Um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll probably want to respond to it, but Ben, you wanted to talk about um, the refereeing issue and, and something that AIDS conference. <laughs> um, so come on, the floor's yours. What, what do you want to say about that? Oh, guys, look, we, we we can we can talk about this all night. Um, AVB said it. I think he actually had uh, an argument with the non-staff and the fourth referee in the tunnel at half-time, where he was quite, quite, ang- well, quite angry that about the non-goal with the free kick being taken quickly from the a, a position, and, and especially the fact it probably wasn't a foul. We got Amar Amavi got booked for the first foul of the game. It's. And, and I think he said in midweek, AVB's done his homework. Since 2014, Marseille is the Ligue 1 team with the most bookings. And it, it is, if you look at some of the bookings, especially look at the Lille game, where not a single Lille play was booked, even though they fouled, I think they had, they fouled us more than we fouled them. So you do wonder the impacts these suspensions have, especially with such a thin squad. But you, you just can't help but look at it and, and just the inconsistency of it is, is appalling. And I think we all had a bit of a chat on the, on the group yesterday when, uh, when Nantes' second goal and a few of you guys were saying that the, the, the striker was in an offside position. It shouldn't have been given. I disagree on that point. But little little stupid things like towards the, the end of the first half when um, Coletta Carr got slapped in the face effectively. It wasn't a punch, but it still a blow to the face by, by Simon the Nantes striker. You know, if that's if that's on Friday night, Mets against Lyon, the Mets players getting sent off. There's a red card, but it's the inconsistency again, and it's it, it's starting to get to AVB beyond the frustration of the team not performing probably as well as we we were before Christmas, and also the fact that we we were rattled yesterday and he got outsmarted tactically. I think it's we've got to be careful because it cost us a lot in the beginning of the season when against Montpellier when Payet got sent off and Kamara gets sent off and we just lost our heads. We're in danger of doing that, but by by no fault of our own because the referees are really making it hard for us right. in recent weeks and it's it's it could have a very bad impact and it's quite worrying for me, especially when we we see our rivals that we're competing against Lyon, Rennes, Lille. Getting getting very very fortunate decisions going their way and you know Ren, I mean Briançon Nîmes player got sent off pretty early on in that game so they played against ten men it was deserved sending off but still those inconsistencies the the decisions that they would get we won't and it's worrying. All right, what what do you what do you respond to that? Um, Mario as a, as a closing statement well, on the podcast. Very, well, very briefly, I completely agree. Um, I, I I don't like the referees and. and especially the referees that we've got and you just have to look last week um you know where where we've had five players booked at Lille three of them were were literally the first sort of fouls that they committed and the yellow comes out straight away and nothing for for Lille I think it's a big it's a big impediment and I it's something that perhaps need to be you know the authorities need to focus on a little bit because it's impeding us it's already screwed our season um, in, in the early in the early stages, so yeah, um, not quite. I mean, I like to think there's no sort of conspiracy, but but it's 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 something that's getting more frustrating as the weeks go on. All right, brilliant. Well, I think no no Marseille podcast would would really be a, a true Marseille podcast if we didn't talk about refereeing at some point in the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, it was it was it was nice to, to talk to you guys about the Nant game, um, and then talk a little bit about basically putting a bit of fire on on the pessimism that is just kind of sparked after the after Saturday's game because it, it just seems like we can do everything right for six months in terms of points, and then we just lose once, and then it's it's just it's all crumbling down. So I think it, it was nice to talk to you guys and, and try to kind of dampen down all this catastrophe that's happening at the moment. Yeah. 
It could be a lot worse, couldn't it? Let's face it, it could be a lot worse, but at the same time, it, the, the, the signs are there. We've been highlighting the signs, and we could. Many of the games we've won with lucky late winners or, or away games like Leland Hen, we could very easily have drawn or lost those games. So, mm, yes, let's be let's be optimists, but at the same time, something needs to get fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And so. Next podcast will be, well, next Marseille game, actually, will be Nîmes uh, against Marseille on Friday. So hopefully uh, we'll talk to you guys next Monday um, to release the podcast. Hopefully Marseille will put a bit of pressure on, on Lille. He will play uh, on Sunday, so two days later. Hopefully a Marseille victory will, will get into the head and, and, and stop them a little bit. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening to this week's podcast. Um, and we'll see you next Monday. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Cheers, bye.